in here interested in being drenched in love today? Well, I, I, I want to tell you, every song they sang is a perfect setup for what's going to happen in this room right here. The passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at today is you are going to know, if you're going to know anything about God today, you're going to know that he literally wants to drench you in that love that we just sang about. And to the point where we are so filled with it, like a sponge, you know, that gets so filled with something that as soon as it gets touched, it just oozes out, that we will drench each other with that love. That's where we're going today. So here's what Jesus told us. By the way, let me introduce myself. I'm Dave Nelson, pastor here at K2, and I just want to say welcome to all of you and so glad that you are here on this beautiful, beautiful day. So here's what Jesus says. We live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so what that is, so if God is actually revealing something to us, and here's what we can know, that's what's true. That's what reality is. In other words, that's what actually works and is what produces life. And so Jesus, this whole series, we're talking about heaven on earth earth. And Derek set this up last week. I don't even have to ask you. I know every one of us would love to have heaven on earth. And what Jesus is saying is it's possible. And this kingdom of heaven is like, and that's what we're doing. We're taking four weeks where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. What's he mean when he says that? What he's saying is this is what God is like. So it's the way of God. The kingdom of God. See, when they heard that back then, they weren't thinking a place. They were thinking like the Roman Empire because they were living under a Roman rule. And what Jesus was saying is there is a spiritual, heavenly rule that can actually take place inside of you. And it's so life-giving and productive and pleasing. And this is what Jesus is telling us here is this is what will happen when you actually run in to God. So that's what we're going to talk about today. When he tells you the kingdom of God is like this, he's saying this is what will happen when you run into God. And for all of us in this room who've run into God, ran into Jesus Christ, and actually received him, that means that God is actually living inside of us. He says, you are born of my spirit. Then you know what he's saying today when he says the kingdom of God is like this? He goes, then this is how God will actually reign in you. This is what he's actually going to do inside of you. This will be the way that he leads you. And so when Jesus says, come follow me, by the way, that's our whole mission here. Our mission is to invite every one of you. If you're not following Jesus, we want to invite you to. And I'm telling today, I'm super excited. This is such a great, awesome message to invite you to follow Jesus. And then all of us who haven't have decided to follow Jesus, our mission is to equip you to really know how to do this. And Jesus says what? I am the way. And I am the truth. I am reality. And I am life. And so if you follow me, this is what you're going to have. So here's what we know. If you and I will live on every word that comes from him today. And what, what do I mean by that? That means he, he, Jesus gave this parable, another parable, where he said, the word is like seed that goes out, and sometimes it finds good soil. And you know what that good soil? 
This is it. If you will live on his word, that means you will receive it. You will, your ears will be open today. You'll receive it. But then he says, and you retain it. And that means you actually ingest it like food. You take it in, but then you ingest it, and it actually becomes what you think. It becomes what you believe. And then finally, it becomes on what you act. If you will live, if you will receive today, if you'll get it into what you actually believe and then act on it, Jesus says, you will live. You will experience God, you guys, today. You have a chance to experience him. And that means to really know him, and that's eternal life. That's where we're going, all right? So let me pray for us, and let's ask God. I'm gonna ask on your behalf, but all of you today, this is, the soil is your heart. So open up your heart to God, and you have a chance to live today. All right, let's do it. Father, thank you for this most glorious day. Thank you for this amazing story this truth, this reality that we're going to look at that shows us what you're like, which shows us what heaven on earth could look like, that will show us what we in our very own lives can look, can look like. So God, we know that you inhabit our praise, and it was so good to praise you this morning. And now I just ask that you would move, that you would make this word clear and that you would be gracious to us, that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we can see you and understand and discover what it would be like to have heaven on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 20. And uh, the verses of, as well will be up on the screen. They're in, uh, as well, if you have our app, and if you don't have it, I encourage you to get it, the K2 app, and all the scripture and notes are always on there as well. All right? So here's Jesus telling us what God is like and what his way is like. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, so basically back then, a work day was sun up to sundown. So we'll just say kind of like 12 hours. So this is, let's say, six in the morning. Six in the morning, the landowner goes out and decides to hire some people for his vineyard, and they agree on a price, okay? And it's a denarius. And a denarius is simply what was the normal average wage for a full day's work, okay? So they agree on this, and he hires them. And he went out about the third hour, which is nine in the morning, and he saw others standing idle, not doing anything, in the marketplace, and to those, he said, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I'll give you. And so they went. And again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, so noon and three o'clock, and he did the same thing. And about the 11th hour, it's 5 p.m., okay? Everybody's looking at their watch, it's time to clock out, right? The day's been long, but not for the landowner. The 11th hour, he went out and he found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, just an hour later, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. 
And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. Now, I got to tell you what, if you had only worked one hour, how many of you would have been expecting a full day's wage? (laughs) So were they freaking out? They're like, man, let's have this guy hire us every day. (laughs) He's incredibly generous. And so they are psyched and they leave. And then it says, when the hired came, for, when, the, when those hired first came, they thought, sweet, <laughs> if he just gave them a full day's wage, we're going to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. Okay, let's stop there before I finish. Does that bother anybody else in this room? Okay. I I, I tell you, it's it's weird. Like, I don't know how many times I've read this, and I'm going to be totally honest with you. Every time I read it, right here, I feel something that just kind of makes me angry. All of us can tell there's something not right about this because it's not fair. It's not fair. Right now, you guys know, many of you don't know me, but I'm a huge football fan, right? It's off season. All the, not, not much is going on right now. Here's what's going on though. Some of the best players in the NFL, I'm a Lions fan, Darius Slay is considered one of the best defensive backs in the NFL, but he's only being paid at the 12th highest. So I think the poor guy only makes like eight to 10 million a year. Right? So, so what's he doing? I'm a pro bowler. I'm not being paid. I'm not being paid for what I, you're, you're, you're making those guys equal to me. And so he's holding out of camp along with a bunch of other guys because they want more money. Now, all of you went, oh, probably at the eight to 10 million. I get that. But I remember, man, at my church back in Detroit, I was a single guy. I was in my late 20s. Um, I was one of the teaching pastors. I led worship. I was leading the youth ministry and our singles ministry. So I was doing a lot of stuff. And accidentally, one day, I saw the salaries of everybody on our staff. Not a good thing. Because there was another guy on our staff. And he didn't teach. He had a ministry that he was leading. But he was older than me. And he was making a good portion more than me. And I want to tell you, man, what would you guys do? You just, it's not fair. And so I did. So I went and I talked. We just feel this. Can you think about this for a second? When have you not been treated fairly? And how did you react? Okay. My guess is you might react like this. This is an amazing video that I think will help us to understand. It's a TED Talk. Okay. So watch this and then we'll go on. So final experiment that I want to mention to you is our fairness study. Uh, and so this, this became a very famous study, and there's now many more, because after we did this about 10 years ago, uh, it became uh, very well known. And we did that originally with capuchin monkeys, and I'm going to show you the first experiment that we did. It has now been done with dogs, and with birds, and with chimpanzees, um, with, but with Sarah Brosnan, we started out with capuchin monkeys. So what we did is we put two capuchin monkeys side by side. Again, these animals, they live in a group. They know each other. We take them out of the group, put them in a test chamber. And 
there's a very simple task that they need to do. And if you give both of them cucumber for the task, the two monkeys side by side, they're perfectly willing to do this 25 times in a row. So cucumber, even though it's really only water in my opinion, but cucumber <laughs> is perfectly fine for them. Now if you give the partner grapes, the, the food preferences of my capuchin monkeys correspond exactly with the prices in the supermarket. And so if you give them grapes, it's a far better food, uh, then you create inequity between them. So that's the experiment we did. Recently we videotaped it with new monkeys who had never done the task, thinking that maybe they would have a stronger reaction and that turned out to be right. The one on the left is the monkey who gets cucumber. The one on the right is the one who gets grapes. The one who gets cucumber, note that the first piece of cucumber is perfectly fine. The first piece she eats. Uh, then she sees the other one getting grape and you will see what happens. So she gives a rock to us, that's the task and we give her a piece of cucumber and she eats it. The other one needs to give a rock to us. And that's what she does. And she gets a grape. And she eats it. The other one sees that. She gives a rock to us now, gets again cucumber. tests the rock now against the wall. She needs to give it to us. And she gets cucumber again. <laughs> so this is basically the Wall Street protest that you see here. Okay, all right. Is that not hilarious or what? I, I, I don't know, I, I teased the, the arts team earlier that may be evidence that evolution is true, right? Because you know this, they're reacting the same way as we react. That's how we feel when, when things are not fair. We throw back the gift, we shake the bars because things aren't fair. So here's what, I, is what we're going to talk about today, what Jesus is wanting to reveal to you. Heaven can come on earth. But as long as we can't handle this type of stuff, the problem is we struggle with God. And some of you today are really struggling in your relationship with God because he doesn't seem fair. And so there's no peace, there's no joy with him. Okay. Secondly, if we are going to demand fairness from each other, then your relationships, I can guarantee you right now, you're struggling right now in your relationships. You're struggling in your marriage if you're demanding that your spouse behave a certain way or your coworkers or whoever it is. But when we have this inequity, what Jesus is saying is you guys are living life like this. And it's not heaven on earth. And we know this. Not just in your personal relationships, corporately, politically, between countries, there's division and there's angst. There is hell on earth, all over the place. And here's the good news. Today, Jesus is going to tell you how you can have peace on earth, heaven on earth. And if you listen to him and live on it, you can have it. All right? So in this story, that's exactly what these men were doing, the same thing. 
And then how does the landowner respond? Let's pick it up in verse 13. After they grumbled at him and said, man, you've made them equal to us. He says this. He answered and he said to one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own money? Or is your eye bad because I'm good? And so the last shall be first and the first shall be last. All right, if you have your programs, you can fill this out. Or if you're on our app, you can take, take some notes on this stuff, okay? Here's where we're going today. If you and I are ever going to see heaven on earth, then we have to look through the lens of grace. To see heaven on earth, you have to look through the lens of grace. Now, what's grace? Grace is a gift, okay? If you grew up in church at all, you've heard this. It is undeserved favor, okay? If you work for something and receive it, it's a wage. But grace is something that God gives and it's undeserved. It comes completely from the heart of the one who gives it. It's not based at all on what the other person does. That's grace. And here's what God says in this parable. He goes, I am good. I'm good. Your eye is bad. But I'm good. And so what he's saying here is treating everyone who worked in that field the same way is actually good. Now, it's crazy, because when I said, how many of you felt this in your heart at that parable? Everybody's like, yeah. Can we all just admit our eyes are bad? But God is good. And if heaven is going to be experienced on earth, then it will be by the way of grace. Okay? Most see God, we, we, we must, okay, two things. We must see God as he reveals himself to us. Okay? That's super important. That's going to be part of today. And we must live that grace out with each other. And those are the two things I'm going to show you. Let's look at this first one. God sees everyone through the lens of grace. God sees everyone through the lens of grace. Back at verse 13. He answered and he said to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? See, so right off the bat, he's like, hey, well, I thought we agreed on this. So how am, I, how am I being unfair if we already made an agreement? But then he says, take what is yours and go. But if I wish, and that word is, if my desire, if what brings me pleasure in my heart is to pay the last man the same as you, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own money? Okay? Let me show you four quick principles out of the story that show us how God actually looks at everybody through a lens of grace. Okay? Here's the first one. The lens of grace makes you move first. When you look at everybody through grace, you move first. See, here's, here's what this guy missed in the story, and we can't miss this. 
every worker in the story, every worker in the story only gets work and is paid because of grace. All of them. None of them were working. But it's crazy. And then what does the scripture say? He saw them. They weren't looking for him. He actually saw them. And even the ones who worked all day long were only in the field receiving a wage because the landowner first went out to them. And this is what we can't forget. Okay? The scripture says, a landowner went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. These guys weren't coming to him. He was going to them. About nine in the morning, he went out and he saw these guys who were standing in the marketplace doing nothing. <laughs> and he went to them and he saw them. And then it says again, he went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon. And about five in the afternoon, he went out and he found still others standing around and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Do you guys see this? What were any of these guys, these workers doing? Nothing. But God, because he sees in grace, he goes and he sees and he finds. So everybody who was getting a wage here only got it because God was actually coming after them. A couple verses just to back this up. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus says, the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Okay? God so loved the world, right, that he gave. But Jesus says, I'm seeking actually after you. Secondly, John 6, No one can come to Jesus. says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws me. No human being on this planet is actually trying to seek after God. God is the one who's always going. That's the lens of grace. You always move first. So can I just ask you, I just want to, if you're seeking God today, if you're wondering about God, if one of the things you need to know about him is the fact that you're even here, the fact that you're even moving towards him, being drawn to even question him, the Bible says that's because he's the landowner who's actually coming after you. He's always initiating, and that's grace. Hey, and for all of us who are followers, all of us who are followers, come on, don't ever, ever forget that he came first to you, okay? Here's the second one. The lens of grace doesn't wait for people to deserve it. When the kingdom of heaven, when heaven actually comes to earth, it's not about deserving it. What were these guys doing? Literally, Nothing. <laughs> About nine in the morning, he went out, saw standing around doing nothing. Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Can I just share with you, this is one of my most important verses. I, I think if I could only have one section of scripture out of a whole Bible, it would be this one right here. Romans chapter five, verse six and verse eight says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? Can I just ask you a question? If you're powerless, what can you do? Okay, everybody say it. If you're powerless, what can you do? 
nothing. See, so I don't know about you, because we're, we're so judgmental. I read that parable, and I'm look at those guys. They're standing around doing nothing. And you know what Jesus says? Every human being on this planet is spiritually impotent. And when you're powerless and you can't do one thing good, God goes, that's just the right time. Do you see that? It's just the right time. And then who does he die for? The ungodly. He's not like, man, you guys, you guys are great workers and you've really shown, you have a great resume. It's like, man, I'd love you on my team. No, you're actually, you have a horrible resume. You actually aren't anything like me at all. In fact, you do everything I don't want you to do. You're a sinner, which means here's my standard and you fall short of it all the time. And God's like, this story, what Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God is like a landowner who finds people who are powerless to do anything. They're ungodly. They don't follow him. And they're sinners. And they're falling short. And he's like, I want you on my team. Is that not good news? <laughs> that is great news. And so I just want to tell you today, if you are sitting here and you think like your view of God is that he's like every other human being you've ever run into, <laughs> who's only loving you because you're doing something. And if they stop, and if you ever stopped being good enough, they pulled their love away from you. And so now we think God's the same way up there because he's like holy, so he's demanding that we do this. Jesus is saying, can I reveal the kingdom of God to you? It is a landowner who found guys doing nothing. And when you least deserve it, that's when God says, I love you. Man, that's just great news. And I want to tell you, man, for me, I wasn't looking for Jesus. I wasn't, I didn't know, I didn't, when he first, when I was sitting in a service like you, and he first started tugging at my heart, I'm like going, oh my God, no, 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 no. No, 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 I don't want anything to do with that. But I responded, because he, he just came to me. And then, when I was 19, when I actually surrendered all of my life to God, I was living anyway, but deserving it. I was a normal 19-year-old kid doing everything that was ungodly. And while I was being ungodly, he came after me. Come on, man. That is not human, but that is grace. And the heaven, when heaven comes to earth, God sees undeserving people. And he goes, I want you. That's so good. Here's the third one. The lens of grace is no respecter of people. And what do, what do I mean by that? Well, you ever think about this? Who are, who are the six in the morning guys? And who are the 11, uh, the 5 p.m. guys? Oh, here, here, in fact, here's a question for you. Who are you? When, you? when you hear that story, do you feel like you're a dude who's been working since 6 a.m.? Or you may be like, well, I'm probably about three Noon, maybe. <laughs> See, so what happens is we automatically put ourselves in this place. But who are, in this parable, who are the 6 a.m. guys and who are the, 11, uh, the 11th hour? So one option is Jews and Gentiles, okay? The Jews, during this time, they were definitely the 6 a.m. people. <laughs> Come on, man, we're the chosen ones. We've, been, we've known this God for a really long time. You Gentiles, you people like me, <laughs> 11th hour people. Okay, that's one possibility. 
Another one is some people will feel like they received Christ early in life, right? I'm a 6 a.m. one, like some of you guys. Like, I've, like I was five, you know, and I've received Jesus. To be honest with you, I was 11. So maybe that's why I feel like I'm a 6 a.m. guy. And then if you receive Christ at the end, like the poor guy in the, poor guy? He wasn't poor. The guy in the cross, right? Who's up there. It's, that's the 11th hour. It's almost over. And Jesus is like, you are coming with me. What? Can you see people like that? Are you kidding me? That's why people, people who are in jail right now and who've done horrible things, yep. Yep, even those 11th hour people. And I want to tell you what, I think we're all like 11th hour people. And we should be super grateful that God's like that. And But I think, too, for most of us in this room, I think 6 a.m. people are people who are just good. And I, my guess is most of you, not all of you, some of you, you've, you you're, you're hoping you're an 11th hour person. But most of you, because you're Christians, think you're a 6 a.m. guy. And you think you're good. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. Um, Jesus was the, right from Scripture, he was the friend of tax collectors and sinners. God so loved what? The world. Christ died for? all. He is grace, you guys. He is no respecter of persons, and that's huge. And here's the last one. Salvation is through the lens of grace. Salvation is through the lens of grace. You know, here, just so you guys know, the story that happened right before this is uh, there's a guy who said to Jesus, he said, hey, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life, right? I, I'd love to have inter- inherit eternal life. So Jesus says to him, well, what are, what are the commandments? And he goes, well, I follow all the commandments. And he's like, oh, okay, great. Well, then go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the guy's like, okay, I can't do that. And he goes away sad. <laughs> now, in that culture, rich people were the symbol of being blessed by God. So the, the, so the disciples actually go to Jesus and they go, oh, wait, 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 wait a second. He's rich. He must be blessed by God. And he's walking away. And so they ask him, then who can be saved? And Jesus says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's the story that happened right before he told this parable. Okay? Now, let me just share this. There are other, so basically, I really believe, and I've studied a ton this week, and people have different opinions, that's fine. But I really believe, because that's the story right before this one, that when Jesus is given this parable, what he's saying is, who can actually get into my kingdom? Who actually can get into relationship with me? Who can be saved, in other words? Who gets to have eternal life? And what he's trying to say here is like, anybody, right? Now let me, but this is important. There are other places when Jesus is talking about the kingdom where there are different rewards. In fact, in two weeks, we're going to talk about in the kingdom of God, when, you, when heaven comes on earth, there are actually responsibilities, right? So he lets you into the kingdom, but what is this kingdom in this parable? It's a vineyard. And what are these guys supposed to do when they get into the vineyard? Yeah, they're supposed to work. So there actually is work that gets to be done and there are rewards for all that, but that's That's for another day. Come back in two weeks, okay? And we'll talk about that. In this story, Jesus is trying to help us to see that salvation is only through the lens of grace. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 say this. 
But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Now let me say this again. Eternal life. Jesus said this is eternal life. He defines it for us. That you know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. But that know is not a head knowledge. It's an experiential knowing. When you experience God, when he's in your life, and you're in his life. He says, that's eternal life. So if that's eternal life, that you know God and he's in you and you're in him, then when he says here, Christ, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. So then sin is basically what you're saying is, God, I don't want you in my life. (laughs) And I have no intention of following you. (laughs) See, if you're living a life where you're saying, God, I don't want you in here, and I don't want you messing things up, and I don't want to follow you, then you're saying, I want to be separate from you. I don't want to experience you. I don't want to know you. But again, that verse says, when we were dead, when we couldn't follow God, and when we didn't want him in our life, heaven on earth is God with great mercy and awesome love and grace. And he saves us. See, in this parable, the payment is the same because the payment is Jesus. See, the whole gospel, the good news of Christ coming down on earth, was it says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He literally came to pay the price of your sin. And when you receive that payment, you're in. Because you are finally forgiven of all of your walking away from God. And he brings you back in. And that's why he's saying, it's not by works. I don't care if you worked 12 hours. I don't care if you worked one hour. It's not about your works. In fact, another place in Ephesians, it says that. You are not saved by your works. You are saved by a grace. And it is a gift And Jesus Christ is the gift. He's the denarius. He's the payment. And that's why if you receive Christ when you're 11 and are a pastor for 32 years, I'm going to get the same entrance into the kingdom of God as somebody who lives a life completely against him and at the 11th hour receives him. Because all of us get into the kingdom by the same payment. And that, you guys, is grace. And it's awesome. Now, if you're seeking after God, can I just ask you, did you know that while you're doing everything that you know God doesn't want you to do, that he's actually saying, just the right time. I love you. I want you. I'm inviting you. Do you know that? And would you even consider receiving that putting your faith in a God who says, if you will accept this, and we're going to talk more about this next week in an invitation, that I will actually bring you into my kingdom. And for all of us who are followers, let's never forget again how good God is to us. That's the first thing. If heaven is going to come to earth, 
in your life, then the first thing that needs to happen is you need to receive the grace and the mercy and the gift from God. It's a gift. You don't work for it. And it will literally change you. You will enter his vineyard. You will enter his kingdom. God, through his spirit, will enter you. And you'll be his kid. And then heaven, being loved no matter what, is on earth. And that's awesome. Okay? Now, let's, let's go horizontal here for a second. If that's heaven, moving, not waiting for somebody else, showing favor, not, no respecter of people, loving people when they don't deserve it. Can I just ask a question? Why is there so little heaven on earth? <laughs> because hardly any of us experience this in our earthly relationships. And I want to tell you, it's number two here, because we see everyone through the lens of judgment. We see everyone through the lens of judgment. Okay? In this parable, Matthew 20, he said this. When they received it, okay, when they got their denarius, they grumbled at the landowner saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us. <laughs> Isn't that, I, I tell you, I, I, of course, I've sat with this all week. That's really funny, actually. That you and I, in our human nature, go, God, you made them equal to us. See, we only see our lens, it's judgment. And we only see people who aren't equal to us. And that's why in verse 15, the landowner says to these people, and God says to you and me, your eye is bad because I'm good. You guys, here's the truth. Our eyes are bad because we don't see like God. We don't see what he sees. God looks at everyone the same, and we look at everyone differently. We've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Can I go back to Genesis just for a second, right? So when you go back to the, the very beginning of the Bible, there was this temptation. God had said, here's all the fruit for you. Here's this beautiful garden, and you can eat of all of it. Just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, why does he say that? Because as soon as you eat from that, then you are the one who, makes, who decides what's bad and what's good. You're the one who decides what's right and what's wrong. You're the one who's deciding who's acceptable and who's rejectable. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I can make these decisions. Now, listen to this. This was the temptation of Satan to Eve. And he said this. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, he was right on one thing. Our eyes got opened, but we do not see like God. He's the only one who can handle the ability to know the difference between good and evil. We are not anything like him in our judgment. They say, you made them equal to us. What are they really saying? These people aren't equal to me. And that is so human, you guys. And so what does the landowner say? This is so interesting. 
his first word back to him is friend. Friend. And what does he say? First, remember this. The grace, first remember the grace that I gave you. You are my friend because I am for you. So that's the first thing, again, that we need to remember when we start thinking that other people aren't equal to us. Jesus looks at us and he goes, friend, friend. Do you guys remember where you were at? Remember you were sitting there and you were doing nothing? Remember you were powerless and an ungodly and a sinner? (laughs) You weren't even in my vineyard at all. And if I hadn't come and after you, if I hadn't searched for you, if I hadn't invited you, you'd still be doing that, friend. So be careful on this. They're not equal to you thing. Secondly, the landowner and Jesus, what he's saying to us is they are equal to you. You made them equal to us. The landowner's going, uh, because they are. (laughs) And God is looking at you, whoever you think you're better than, and you're saying, they're not equal to me. God's going, no, 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 no. I created every one of them in my image. And they absolutely, they are equal to you. My love for them is equal to you to you. All of you were standing around doing nothing and all are saved by grace. So can you think about this for a second? That guy says, you made them equal to us. Why do we hate that so much? Why did you guys bristle at this story? Why do we immediately go, that's not fair? Why do we want to make people worse than us or elevate ourselves? We hate the idea that God actually is looking at everyone equally. Why do we do that? Because it's the way of the world. It's the way we see things. Ever since sin entered the garden, we are the ones who are deciding if people are worthy of our love or not. We decide and we make judgment about good and evil. And love is always given based on the worthiness of the other person in our eyes. I'm going to get you guys in just a second, but I want you to start thinking about this. Who doesn't get your love because they're not worthy in your eyes? If it's anybody, then your eyes are bad. And it's not, you will never experience kingdom of heaven on earth with those type of eyes. But the way of heaven, the way God is, love is given simply, how does God do this? Love is given simply because he is worthy. He is love. He just possesses it. So it just exudes out of him. And I want to tell you this, man, when you and I can start to finally begin to know our value, when we finally start to know our worth, when we finally start to be amazed that God actually came and looked for us and went after us and gave his life for us and died for us, when we start to know how valuable we are, guess what? Then you can actually love anybody instead of looking at if they're worthy of your love. All right? So now let's bring it home. 
And I'm going to be super, I'm just going to, we got to, by the way, let me just ask one more time. Does anybody actually want to experience heaven on earth? Okay, not, see, not as exuberant as it was when I first answer, asked that question. Okay? Be as gut-level honest with yourself as you can. Who isn't equal to you? Now, I'm going to talk to Christians point blank right now. If you're a follower of Christ and Jesus is living in you, And he's telling you the kingdom of God, which is in you, is grace. Then who is it that you don't think is equal to you? Let me give you some thoughts. Economically, be super honest. How many of you love to look at people who are in an economic status that's different than you and you don't feel like you're better than them. Or you don't feel like you're worse than them. Socially, right? Some of you have super high EQ. That's emotional quotient. You just, you, you got it down, man. You get along with people. And some people don't have as much social EQ. How many of you think you're better than them? And so you don't really want to hang out with them. And yet we want to have kingdom of God on earth. How about religiously? How do you view the Mormons? How do you view the, the Muslims? How do you view Hindu? How do you view atheists? Do you feel like you're better? How many of you feel like you're better because you were the guy who was down there who Jesus actually went after and saved? But yet you now that you follow Jesus, you think you're better than them. How about Morally. How many of you look at right, our country, right? <laughs> and we just, I, I confess, I get scared, man. I see our country just kind of going to hell in a handbasket. And when you see that happen, how many of you actually think you're better than the people who are struggling morally? How about politically, racially? Here's another one. Intellectually. If you're just smarter, right, <laughs> and you're sitting there, and you're in the room, and you just know you're smarter than the other people in the room, how many of you think you're better because you're smarter. See, I, I t- you guys see how infiltrated this is in all of you? Did I get all of you, by the way? Did I get every one of you? All right. You know why? Because we're human. And as long as we live in the way of the world, of your value is based on your performance and my opinion of it, we will never see heaven on earth. But Jesus says, I can come and give you that love and give you that grace and transform you. And I want to say, man, if you don't see people as equal to you, then do you treat them unequally? And if that's the case, there is no grace and there's no kingdom of God. Jesus put it this way. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And if you greet only your own people, what are you going to do? What are you doing more than others? And then he goes on to say, pagans do that. People who don't believe in me do that. So when we get done, right, why did we move to one service? One of the main reasons we did this was this was cool. Is this not cool to be all together, by the way? Yeah, like super cool. But the other reason we did this is because we're the body of Christ. 
And that means we're brothers and sisters. And the other reason we did this is so that we'd all be together. So when the service is done and you all go out and hang out and, and, and what are we going to do? Paul makes it, greet one another, he says in the scriptures. Love each other. Come together. And what will be interesting is those of us who actually follow Jesus, how many of us are going to go out there and look at people and judge them? Okay, I'm the only honest person in this room. You're going to go out and you're going to wonder, okay, who looks like me? Who might I get along with? And if someone isn't equal to me, I'm going to walk. Can I just, can we just blast that out of the way, out of the water this afternoon? And could we actually bring heaven to earth? And if there's one place heaven should actually be on earth, it's the church. It should be those of us who are in awe that God saved us, who have received his love poured into our hearts. And so let me go, the last point is this, is that we must receive the lens of God. If heaven on earth can only be seen through the lens of grace, I have to receive that from God. 2 Corinthians 5, 15 and 16 says this, Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, look at this, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. When you realize this parable, that Jesus died for all, and the first thing, what does the cross do? The first thing it does is it makes you go, God, thank you, Jesus, right? It humbles you and you get on your knees and you can't believe that this God invited you. That's what the cross does, is it rescues you. And then he says, and if anyone actually lives, if you actually are in my kingdom, the reason Jesus did that was so that you wouldn't live for yourself anymore. Everybody see that? If you're a Christ follower, it means you don't live for yourself anymore. And that means you don't judge everybody else because you know that Christ died for all. And that means everyone is equal in God's eyes to the value of being saved. And so, and once you get saved, you can finally look at everybody else and go, oh my gosh, I was given grace into the kingdom and so are you and so are you and so are you. I will no longer, can I challenge you? Can you and I, because here's our application, all of you Christians, let's no longer look at anyone from a worldly point of view. Now, Tomorrow, you're going to look at people from a worldly point of view. <laughs> so what do you do, though? Like, I, I, I did. Like this this week, I read the Good Samaritan story. Right? Well, who, who's my neighbor, the guy says. And Jesus is like, ah, oh, let me pick the Samaritan, because I know you hate that guy. <laughs> yeah, he's your neighbor. That one that you just you want to avoid all the time, because morally, they're not like you, and religiously, they're not like you, and politically, they're not like you. Yeah, that guy? Yep. Don't look at him from a worldly point of view. Look at him as someone I died for and who's valuable to me. Oh, and the guy in the ditch, the one who can't do anything for himself. 
the poor, the orphan, the abused, the one sitting on the outside that no one ever wants to invite. That guy? That's your neighbor. Oh, but, oh that's right, but you're better than him, right? Levite. <laughs> religious people, right? The two religious ones who actually are, are godly. I don't want nothing to do with that guy. No, that's your neighbor. So here's what we have to do today. How it's our application. We have to confess to God, you guys. The first thing we've got to do is, well, let me say this. The first thing we have to do is we have to see the kingdom of God for you. You have to know that the grace of God is for you. And he just loves you no matter who you are. That's the first thing. And so if you've been seeking here today, I just want to tell you again, the greatest news I can give you today is Jesus absolutely wants you on his team. And if you will put your faith in him, if you'll just respond to his invitation, he will forgive you of all of your sin. He will reconcile you back to God and he will fill you with his spirit and you will never be the same again. And it's grace. Not because you've done anything to get it. And then for all of us who have, we must see the kingdom of God for others. The only way heaven is ever going to come on earth, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The only way that's going to happen is if we start seeing the kingdom of God for others. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song to close, and it says this. God, I look to you. God, I look to you. I'm guessing you guys came to church today because you wanted to look to God. And Jesus has told you very clearly today, if you'll live on what I told you, if you'll live on every word, the kingdom of God will come to you. So God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. That's what we're going to sing. God, I look to you. Give me vision to see things like you do. Give me wisdom because you know just what to do. That's what you're going to worship here in a second. And you're going to ask God to give you the lens of grace so that you can see people the way that he actually sees them. By the way, I can tell you this works and he can actually do this. If you are struggling with feeling like you're better than somebody, if you will ask him, God, will you give me your eyes to see this person because you love them and you're crazy about them? Will you give me those eyes? The Spirit of God is in you if you follow him and he can give you the very mind of Christ and you can start seeing people the way he sees them. And then he says, and then we're going to sing, and I will love you, Lord. Anybody here love him? Okay. Okay. Then... I'm glad you're hooping and hollering because I love you. I will love you, Lord. My strength, my shield, my rock forever. All my days, I will love you. How do we love him? In this song, you're saying, I love you, God, because I trust you as the one who saved me. That I didn't do it anything on my own. I just love you. Thank you for choosing me. Man, when you sing this song, go, I love you, God. I love you. Thank you. 
for having grace on me and mercy on me and choosing me. Thank you. I trust you completely for my salvation, not my works at all. But the other way, you love him. Jesus says, if if you love me, he says, then you obey what I command. So all of you who went, woo, okay. And then he says, and here's my command. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. And I'm not talking about everybody who looks like you. I'm not talking about people you get along with. That's pagan. That's not divine. There's nothing spiritual in it. There's no heaven in that. There's no Jesus in that. Anybody in the world can do that. You follow me. That means you love your enemy. You love the people who aren't like you. And you lay your life down for them. Do you love me? Okay, see, like I said, that that hoop wasn't as as big, right? See, I love you, let's sing. No, I love you, that's love. I love you, I love you, I love you, so I'm gonna love, all right? Let's stand together and let's worship him.